Join Ian Garvey as we uncover the hidden marketing stories that shape our world. Reveal the latest marketing tactics that will shape the future and the amazing people that grow organizations, movements, and businesses. Learn to grow your business and shape the world around you. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show with Ian Garlic. And yes, it's Ian, not Ian. That's marketing too. All right, I am here with our book marketing series with the fabulous AJ Harper. She wrote Write a Must Read, and we're going to talk about things like how she helps her students really nail their messaging so that it was actually reiterated to them by other critics, um, how to add things like calls to greatness, the problems that you have with shortcuts in writing a book, uh, how she interviews, which is amazing to get stories, her number one tip for interviewing for a book, and the number one tip for marketing your book before it's published. Uh, AJ, thank you so much for being on the Garlic Marketing Show. Thanks for having me. And uh, don't forget this brought to you by videocasestory.com. One of the best ways to get great customer stories is going to videocasestory.com. We can help you collect, craft, and deliver your customer stories. All right, let's get started. So, you know, I, I'm going to suggest to everyone writing, reading the book, if you're thinking about being an author, you've got to, I mean, this is a fantastic book because it's, it really puts together the, the most important parts, I think, and, but it's also not easy. Um, so what, you know, before we get to that, how did you get to this conclusion that you need to be doing all of these things? Cause you talk about all the different editing and everything. How important is it to the, to the success of the book? And when, and when did you realize that? To talk about the editing or all the elements in the whole book? But all the elements of the book, because there's uh, so many elements. It can be, a, a, you know, I love about it too is just so you all know, it's, it is work. It is work in which, but I love because it, if you want to make something great, and I think there was a time maybe seven years ago, you can put anything out and sell a bunch of books. I don't think that that's gone. Um, you know, so, but what point did you go, we have to put all of this effort in to make an awesome book? Well, you know, I was a ghostwriter for about 10 years. That's how I started out. And uh, well, before that I was a playwright, but when I decided to write um, books for folks, initially I did all those kind of books for any, any book on almost any topic, unless it was something illegal, like making a bomb or something like that. <laughs> I wouldn't do those. I definitely wrote a lot of those better business card type books just because I was taking any gig I could get. And it was in the mid 2000s that I realized the really successful people who were not just selling books, but they had built a successful brand. They had a devoted following. They had people who would follow them anywhere. They wrote books that were actually crafted to make a real difference for readers. And it wasn't just lip service. It was designed to make a difference for readers. And that's the distinction. So I learned how to do that. And I came up with a lot of my own methodology to do that. And then now I teach it since I don't, I don't really ghostwrite anymore, although I do write with, collaboratively with Mike Michalowicz, um, I teach people how to do that, and that's how the book came about, because what I believe is you can learn to write that great book, but there's a craft to it. It's not just saying, I want to write a book that changes lives, it's actually learning how you do it. Yes, yes, and I, and I, I think that's a big dis distinction, too, because 
But if you want to grow your business, do you feel you need to write this type of book? Because you've seen that you were writing the Better Business Card books before. Do you think that those are completely gone or, and this is the only way, or is it just two different paths? I think it's two different paths, but here's the, here's the problem. It, we've, we've bought into this belief that you can write a book quickly and get it to market and get the same results that you would get from writing a book that you took your time with that was that follows traditional publishing standards that's really excellent and you can't you can't get the same results and it's not just about writing and editing it's also about when you release the book and what type of distribution you have so you can choose the path you want you just have to be mindful of the fact it might not get you where you want to go gotcha yeah i and i think that's a big dis distinction right do and and that's important because you want to and what I love about this, it's the same thing we take with customer stories is it's all about them. It's all about the person on the other side. It is not about you. It's not about your knowledge. Um, but so when you were building out this formula, and I want to talk about the formula a little bit, um, what was the first like aha success story where like, because I mean, I'm sure you were, it's like one of those things you're probably doing and then you built up the formula and you applied it. When, when was the first time you applied, start to apply the formula like, wow, this really works to impact people? You know, the thing is, when you're a ghost, you have to, uh, you're so on to the next book. By the time the book comes out, you've probably written like eight more books since then. So I just had to rely on watching career trajectories rise. And then I would go smoke out reviews. And, you know, sometimes books I wrote won awards and I only found out about it after the fact those are all markers but really it's about how the readers react to things um, that's how you know it works how i know the formula works for other authors who are writing is seeing my own the authors who come through my workshop the kind of responses they get from readers is ridiculous the critical acclaim they get which is you know different than an amazon review is on point and exactly what they set out to do. So I know that it works for my authors in that respect. I wasn't sure it was gonna work for my authors when I started teaching. Cause you know, you just think this is me, this is my super magic. And uh, no, in fact, it's a uh, it's system that you can follow. Nice. And do you remember the first author it worked for? They were like, oh, this is awesome. I, I can't believe it's, it, it's working. <laughs> oh, uh, well, I mean, in my class, you mean? Because I can't yet. So um, John Briggs is one of my first authors, and he wrote a Profit First Derivative. And he started getting comments from readers that immediately felt seen and valued. And it was a game changer for him. That was huge. But then later, I have this an author, Sue Barber. She wrote The Visibility Factor. And she had set out, she said, I want my book to feel like you're being coached by me. I want it to feel like that. And one of her favorite authors is Brene Brown. So we set about, it took her some time, she really committed to it. And then when she submitted for trade review, she got critical reviews that said exactly, this book feels like you're being coached by the author. And they had no way of knowing that was her goal and then compared her book to Brene Brown's writing. So it's that's amazing to see. And that same author 
just told me a couple weeks ago that she has so many readers reach out, including one who told her she carries the visibility factor around in her backpack and won't take it out because it's a constant reference for her. So when you hear from readers and from critics that it's working, then you know it, it can be done. Really cool. And how did, that, how did that make you feel when you first heard that? I actually, I when the, when this starts stuff starts to happen and I start hearing from readers, I always tell my authors, can you? It's like my candy. Can you send me the reviews, please? Send me <laughs> send me everything. Send me the emails you get. I just want all the candy. Uh, I, the first time it, it really clicked that it was working for other people, not just me. Uh, I just burst into tears, quite frankly. I'll be honest because it means so much to me that authors know how to get the book they want to write out in the world because other, when it's so nerve-wracking to write a book it's learning a whole bunch of new skills all at once and navigating an industry that feels like Mars but so what happens is people take shortcuts they do as fast as they can they follow templates so I'm, I'm always challenging my authors to do their own thing and push beyond their limits and it's remarkable to see that that can actually work for them so that they aren't compromising on the book they want to get out. I love it. I love it. And it's, but it takes time, right? Yep. It takes time and invests it. But on the flip side, I'm sure, you, you know, we're talking marketing, the books probably sell more because they're more shareable, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, well, obviously marketing is everything. So, I mean, <laughs> you can't, you can, I have plenty of authors who wrote brilliant books that are amazing game changers and nobody's ever going to hear about them because they didn't market it. I mean, hardly at all. So, it, you know, it's not going to market itself, but it will eventually market itself because that's how books are still sold, where people say you've got to read this. But you can't get somebody to say you've got to read this if you don't write a great book, and you can't get somebody to say that if you didn't market it at all. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And um, I want to get into that marketing aspect because you do some stuff ahead of time too while yeah. you're writing the book. And I want to talk a little bit about that. But you brought up a, a fact about like finding your own way and where it's tough. And you know, one of my favorite stories from your book is towards the end. And I'm going to, it's a spoiler alert. So you can fast forward two minutes if you don't want to hear this and you want to read the book. But the story about your son playing basketball. Yeah. And, and it's a great, a great story of like how he, how he struggled and it all of a sudden like you know you go to watch him he's awesome yeah. um how did you figure out that that was the story that you wanted to put in the book so i teach in the book uh, i give a little bit of a breakdown but i really teach it in class i think that a nonfiction book you know that helps you make something better what we need at the end is what i call a call to greatness so it's not just a summary. It's not, here's everything you learned. It's not just, hey, go do it. It's more like, okay, you're different now. I delivered on the promise. You participated with me by reading it and doing all the things I asked you to do. So your vantage point now is on top of the mountain, not at the bottom. So now you can see far and wide, what could you do? So it's a call to greatness versus a summary. And so you need a story that really brings that spirit out and can stir people to see, wow, I started this book wanting this thing, but now I can do it and I could, couldn't even imagine the possibilities. What do you see from up there on the top? 
and that story about my son is special to me because he was a bad basketball player and then a mediocre player and then he became great and I wanted to show it as an example of talent is not as important as uh, practice and heart and because that's this myth we have that I can't write a great book because I'm not naturally gifted as a writer uh, but you actually could if you just learned the craft. I love that. And, you know, it's it's because I always, you know, I talk to people a lot about that with the fundamentals of marketing. And it comes back to basketball, too. I always think about Kobe Bryant. And, like, everyone thinks he was this talented guy. But, no, he went and just practiced his butt off. And, like, yep. every night he's practicing free throws and practicing fundamentals. And that's what makes you great. And, you can, and I, it, I love that you can dismantle it like that. Because... It is fantastic. And then there's another skill in there of finding stories, um, which, I, you know, when you said that, because it was so similar and, and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. This is exactly what I, I tell people. And it's how you interview other people for their stories to add into your book. Tell me about that, because it's so cool. I've never heard anyone talk about that. And I think it's such a good idea. Oh my gosh, thank you for calling that out. Uh... I actually had to cut a ton of that content from the book and I'm give, I, it's on my website for free, this deleted content if you want it. Because, well, because I, I had this whole big thing on interviewing and my editor's like, is this, you're getting really in the weeds on the interviewing, but I think that we can't just, we can't tell the story we want to tell unless we get on the phone or Zoom with someone or in person to really get the details of their story. And over the course of my career, I've probably interviewed more than a thousand people, but just to get a story. So not not just to hear their thoughts on things, but specifically with one goal, which is, can I find the story? And how can I find the story that matches up with this teaching, which is the key? And then how can I get the details I need to tell a great story? Um, it's one of my favorite things to do is to go on the hunt for those stories. I love it. it. It is. It's a hunt. And it, it, it truly is. And it comes back to, I love, you know, I always come back with the idea of Stephen Pressfield when he talks about in the war of art of, you know, of being out there hunting for the rabbit and then the weeds. And then like, you know, what's out there and you just don't know if you're going to find it and you just have to go out there. And then all of a sudden you find it and it's an amazing thing. Um, that's so, and I, I, that's an amazing feeling, isn't it? It's an amazing feeling, and I, I think for an average person, you don't know where to start, so, so you end up calling people, trying to interview them, and not really knowing what to look for. So I think this is another example of, if you're experienced at it, you know what to do, but if you're not, you think, I could never be like that or do that, but you could. You just have to know certain questions you need to ask. And yes, it's a skill to be able to follow that rabbit down the hole, that's the part, right? Which is how do I know which direction? That just takes practice. But ultimately, you'll get a much richer story for a book if you take the time to interview people and hear their stories. And I, I because I focus on this so much, and I, I'm glad you're saying this, that you're interviewing people, right? You're not just sending out a form. You're not asking them to make a recording. You have to talk to them, don't you? You do, and I think, you know, for those people in your orbit who are thinking about their testimonials or the case studies they put on a website or in other material, I we forget to get on the phone with them and get the good stuff. Well, what the feelings, the thoughts, the befores and afters, the turning point moment is the key thing. When somebody finally sees, oh, wait, 
and they think differently and then behave differently, that you've got to do on the phone or Zoom or whatever. But also, I think all that marketing story stuff, you know, that needs to be updated. That's another thing. So you have all this, all these testimonials from five years ago. Well, what's happening with them now? So you could have an even better story if you called to say, hey, what's up? And maybe it's, they actually have even better results. Yeah, I need to get you on the road selling for us. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it's exactly that. I mean, that's the secret sauce of it. And it, it is, it's a skill set that anyone can do. But you, it, it, I think people discount it because I, I see all these automations. People are like, can I just send the questions? Can I just, you know, send a form? And, and I'm like, no, you have to talk to the people and you have to follow up with them. Because you, you, you never get emotions, do you, if you just send a you form? You don't get emotions. And I, I, I think I can't remember if I cut this from the book now, but sometimes, you know, you've done interviews. So sometimes you hit that 40 minute mark and you still don't have it. You still can't find the story. And you just think, okay, fine, this is a good conversation, I'm going to move on. Because as you know, some people can't give it to you. It's just hard for them to access it. Um, I read this interview for a, a book um, that I wrote for someone, and and uh, I couldn't get it, and I couldn't get it. And then all of a sudden, she, I, she said, yeah, and then we closed up our store for good. They had gone bankrupt, and they closed up their wallpaper store. And I said, well, wait a minute, what did you do? She said, well, I sat there on the floor surrounded by all the books and, and for hours until like middle of the night. And I was like, oh, tell me more. Because now I can see a scene, right? I can see a moment of a person's in their dark store at night. And then you get to ask feelings and all these things. Now we found it, but you have to keep you know, get, get guiding them toward when, what were the low points, high points, turning points, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. And you got to get there and you got to dig in. And once you find it, you've got it. You can't let it go. Can you? No, because I find to talk about a woman sitting on the floor in a wallpaper store at night, surrounded by all, all his wallpaper rolls and books and stuff. That's a way better story than her just saying that it was awful. Yes. 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 What are some of the things that you found really work to help start marketing a book before it's published? Well, the first thing is to let people know you're actually writing one. Most people don't feel comfortable doing it right away because they don't feel confident in the message and what they're doing. And so they sort of hide in a cave. But you want to keep the process of developing your content uh, front and center and doesn't have to be perfect. Also, I think if you test drive your content, so maybe a little boot camp or a one-hour webinar or an all-day class or a speech or something where you're testing content all the time to see if it works, that helps you build your list and build your community so they're already poised and ready when the book comes out to purchase it. And I think those are really easy things that help you write a better book and market as you go. Love it of it and uh, you know it's it's great it's like get it out there and start talking about it i think i mean i know i overthink it because it's i i know everything you can do and there's mm -hmm. these very complex launches and <laughs> traffic and it's like there's these simple things of getting it out there and getting it working um, and that's great great advice and you know once you do once you've launched your book like right now you're how your book's what about a month out now Month, month old, little baby. Little baby. 
Now, um, you know, I, I had Alex on, we were talking about Amazon ads, and he quoted someone saying, you know, you spend a thousand hours writing your book, you need to spend a thousand hours marketing. Yeah. What, are you, what are you doing on the thousand hours? Obviously podcasts, but. Uh, <laughs> yep, I'm doing podcasts. Uh, I'm doing, trying to do one or two a week for the next year and just keeping that steady. So, I, you know, you've got to keep the fires going. But more importantly, I didn't spend all my energy on that. I did a lot of great stuff on the launch that worked for me and honored honored the experience and was in my value system, but I didn't do like 4th of July, like we're gonna blow it all up. Because you need to have some energy left and it's, you're already tired. So what I'm doing now is looking at um, the change I wanna see in the world, who can facilitate the change, and then working on specific marketing plans for those different markets. So for example, a plan just for libraries, a plan just for other small publishers who might wanna give my book to their authors, a plan for coaches, that's a big one for me. And it, you know, you have to look at book sales as the way publishers do, you know? We're looking at how much is it gonna sell over the lifetime, which could be five to 10 years, or if you're lucky in your press field and you've got the War of Art is 20 years old. It's still selling. I checked yesterday because I had to do a little, uh, or two days ago, I had to do a keynote and I had to reference how many he was selling. And then this month he's selling about 3,600 copies on Amazon alone. It's a 20 year old book. But for most people, it's five to 10 years. So how can you get that sold over that period of time instead of thinking about just the next month after my launch? It has to be a real plan over years. I th you know, it comes back to, because Gina Wickman said it, author of EOS, he's like, it's, it's amazing. We overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what we can do in 10. Mm -hmm. and, I, I, and I think that's it's a, it's a great way to put it. You know, I, I remember the first time I did a, a ultra, or an ultra marathon and I was training, 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 and I, I ran out and I started running and I like had my pace and I knew what I was doing. And everyone just took off and I'm like, man, I'm the slowest person in the world. But slowly but surely, mm -hmm. I passed all these people. And mm -hmm. I even got lost, I'm two miles lost, and some people followed me. And I still finished ahead of almost all those people. Um, but it, it, and that's a great point, I think, that people have to make is like, it's that continuous. Because I see so many people stop doing it. Um, and, and so, how are you going to get? So, you, you still have to have like some feedback right you you need some something what are the metrics that you're going to look at now over the course of the next year is it just action or is it book sales or is it emails what are the metrics that you're going to look at i'm looking at strictly book sales right now because i'm on a mission i want to change the way we talk about books and especially in the nonfiction space prescriptive nonfiction. i really want better business card books to be like a dirty word that you would only say in a back alley like that's where I'm going. So I need to sell a ton of books to make that happen so that there's a sea change. That's my personal goal. So I'm looking at books sold by whatever means. Could be bulk buys, could be um, hand selling in bookstores. Um, that's my goal and I'm happy and love my life as it is, but I'm trying to, so I'm not really trying to scale a business, right? I'm actually trying to change the way we think about writing these type of books so that people are truly empowered and we have better, better books in the world. And so that means I gotta sell a lot of books. That's my metric. Nice, nice. And 
obviously this is published by a traditional publisher, but I mean, you talk a lot in the book about should, from a marketing standpoint, should you go, you know, self-published or, you know, go for a traditional publisher for someone who's a first time author and they're getting through this point. What, how do you feel someone should go? What's the, the route? I don't think that they should just decide like that. I think they should decide, think, what are my priorities? And what are my resources? Those are the two things, priorities and resources. So for priorities, do you need credibility? If maybe you're an academic or you're a corporate person and you just can't self-publish, then you have to choose traditional. Do you need a lot of broadcast media attention? Uh, they're gonna pay more attention to a traditional book. It's not always the case, but a lot of times they will ignore a self-published book. Um, so those are, you know, the, do you have a time factor? Do you need to get it out quickly? I hope that's not the answer. I hope you'll find a different answer there. But if you have to, then you, traditional is not going to work for you because they have long lead times for a reason because of distribution. Do you need it? Do you need a sales team to make sure it's getting on the shelves? Then you have to go traditional or a top tier hybrid. So, and then resources playing with, do you have money? Can you afford to do it on your own or pay for a hybrid? No, then you have to go traditional. So it's really more about what's your story and which path aligns with it. And I'm, I'm, I think people should often try for traditional and see if they can do it. People forget that it's not just the big five publishers. It's thousands and thousands of small publishers who they, who they could at least get a deal with those people. That's, that's great advice. That's great advice. And have you seen people... I mean, I know it happens, but how often do people self-publish and then move into a traditional publisher with the same, a different oh, version of the book? People do it all the time. I don't have stats for you, but I've seen it happen all the time. It only happens, though, if you sell a significant amount of books. So, you know, minimum 10,000, uh, then you're more likely to get a deal. And if you sell even more than that, they'll usually come and ask for rights to do, the net, you know, to get that book specifically. Yeah. I mean, oh. that's... If you, you know Profit First, that's the story of Profit... Do you know about this Profit First story? Oh, I didn't know that. That's what happened with Profit First. Well, what happened was... Um, so Mike's second book, The Pumpkin Plan, was published by Penguin Random House. It was just Penguin at the time. And publishers have right of first refusal, and we pitched them Profit First. And they said, we refuse. No one needs another accounting book. <laughs> Right? Are you laughing? <laughs> and so, my, Mike, um, we decided ultimately to go ahead and self-publish it, which we knew how to do, and he sold a bajillion copies of that thing. And meanwhile, at Penguin Random House, there was this editor, and he would see how the pumpkin plan was always in this backlist of a lot, you know, he, why is this old book still selling so well, the pumpkin plan? So we went and smoked Mike out. Wait, he self-published Profit First? Why did we let this guy go? And so we <laughs> came and approached him and said, we actually do want Profit First. After it had already sold tons of copies, and now he's published most, all of the rest of his books with them. Oh, that's that's hilarious. That's, that's I did not know that story. That's great. He didn't mention that. Yeah, he was on... Re oops. Sorry? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Actually, you know, I'm I'm not gonna ruin it here because I I like to tease it out. But Mike gave me one of the best his new book uh, marketing strategy with the Wi-Fi, and uh, <laughs> I was like, I love that. That's genius. Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll, that's on another episode. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. 
Um, but this is great. So talk to me about how someone can work with you. You, you have a few different things that, that you can do to help people out. Yeah, so I, I like to work in a class situation. So I created a workshop. The book is actually based on my workshop and a lot of the stories are from students in the workshop. And that's what I love. I, it's great fun for me. So I teach a class twice a year called Top Three Book Workshop for only 15 students at a time. And that's the main way. But I also teach a, an editing course that's six weeks that just helps people who have already started their book to work through the editing method that I outlay in the book, which is this very involved editing system, but that actually does a really good job of ensuring that your book is at the best it can be. Even if you're self-publishing and you can't, uh, you have to do a lot on your own, it can really help you get that next level quality that you need. Yes. I mean, it's, uh, once again, I was looking, I've searched high and low. I've been through every editing technique and, and this is the best one I've ever seen. And I really appreciate you putting it out there. It is amazing. And I think it's so important because you need that process. Because if you've put, if you wrote, I've, I've written five books, published one, because I get to the editing part, part and I'm like, I don't have a process and I get so jammed up in it. And I think it, it's an amazing, amazing process. I mean, the book is phenomenal. It's easy read, but it's very straightforward, full of stories. And um, and we'll put it, it's writermustread.com. And uh, also on your website, you'll have links to all the, these different classes and stuff too, correct? Yeah, I also, you know, I have my own website, ajharper.com, but you can easily find all of that um, through the book. And it's, I'm easy to find. <laughs> yes, yes. And and you do a lot on LinkedIn too. So we'll put a lot of LinkedIn in the show notes and Facebook. You're on there quite a bit. Um, man, this has been awesome. Well, well, AJ, thank you so much for sharing this on the Garlic Marketing Show. I really appreciate you being on. Thank you. You're, this was a really fun interview. It was really a good time. Thank you. And uh, thank you all for taking AJ on your journey. You know, as you're going through your book process, make sure to reach out to her. Um, look at what she's doing. I think anyone that's writing a book has to read this book. It's it, it, it's a must read about being a must read. Um, and, you know, make sure to let her know that you, follow, you saw her here. And thank you for taking us on your journey. It's been on Garlic and the Garlic Marketing Show. Video. You know it'll make you an authority. You know it will get you more leads. Better leads that close faster and spend more with you. And video stories will help you be remembered and connect with those perfect clients. The problem is, where do you start? Storycruise.com is the place to go. It's like a film crew with an S. What's your strategy? Do you do it yourself? Do you hire a videographer? An agency? Do you need an editor? How do you know if they really know your business and how to make videos for business that work? The answer to all of this and more can be found at storycruise.com. It is the place to find the latest video marketing strategies, the best gear for your business, as well as videographers, editors, and agencies near you that are trained in video storytelling for business. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get special insider info for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show, including special access to several of my courses, including my case story course. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get a whole bunch of special offers just for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show. 
Whether you're looking for a videographer or to do it yourself, go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get started today. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow I and Garlic on Facebook. 